Three Strands is growing, and our ministries are doing big things for Jesus. If you're looking for a way to get plugged into what we're doing, visit us at threestrands.church. So a brand new series starting today. I'm excited about this. been thinking about this series for a long time, and um, so I'm excited to kind of break it out today. It's a little different than the last few series we've been in, a lot more narrative we're going to look at. If you want to follow along, we'll be in 2 Chronicles 20 most of the time. The series is called Out of Your Mind. Before we do that, I want to give you guys a challenge, okay? So here's the challenge. We did this before. On the back table on your way out, there's some cards that have a verse on them. They kind of look like this. All right, mine's on paper, but there's cards back there. And uh, they've got some memory verses on them. It's a memory verse challenge. I know what you're thinking. You're like, I can't even remember what day it is, but... We got six weeks to memorize it, all right? So grab one of those on the way out, and if you just memorize like about a sentence a week, you'll have it memorized by the end of the series. If you will memorize it and recite it by the end of the six weeks, you will be rewarded. That's all I'm going to say. You will be rewarded handsomely. Handsomely, all right? Okay, so, but that's back there. So uh, let's just practice one time together. It's Romans chapter 12. Verses 1 and 2, and these two verses kind of set the framework for this whole series. So that's why I wanted us to uh, be challenged to memorize them during this series. So will you guys read them with me? They'll be on the screen. Here you go. Here's verse 1. You ready? And so, dear brothers and sisters, not, not after me, with me. You ready? With me. Read it with me. All right. You, you, you're not going to be handsomely rewarded if you keep doing that. All right. So read it with me. You ready? Romans 12, 1. You ready? And so, dear brothers and sisters... I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you which is good and pleasing and perfect. All right, Romans 12, 1 and 2. So pick those up on the way out. If you just read through it once a day, every day, till this series is over, you'll probably have it memorized. That's how easy it would be for you, all right? And, uh, but just memorize that and recite it back to me by the end of the series, and you will be rewarded no matter how young or how old you are. You will be grateful for the reward you get, I promise. So just uh, memorize that over the next several weeks. And that's going to kind of set the framework for us for this series um, of Out of Your Mind. Out of Your Mind sounds like a bad thing. I mean, nobody really wants to be out of their mind. In fact, sometimes you might describe somebody, or way back in the day, you might have described somebody as like, that guy is out of his mind, right? And it sounds like a bad thing. It sounds like what you're saying is that person's crazy. Uh, but I don't want that to be the case during this series. It's kind of a play on words. And sometimes the fight you're facing or the battle you're going through is a battle in your own mind, right? In fact, I would say that most of the battles we're going through, most of the fights we're fighting day to day are battles within, battles of the mind. Most of us aren't facing a, a, an opposing military who's literally trying to kill us on the battlefield. Most of us aren't even facing people who are out to get us each day. Most of the battles and the fights we face are battles that take place in our mind. So what do you do when that's the case? When you can't escape from the battlefield? When it's all taking place inside of you? When discouragement, anxiety, 
guilt, shame, and worry have you beaten down, feeling like you're going crazy and all you want to do is quit and give up? What do you do? Well, that's what this series is all about. I want you to know that there's hope, there's a way out, there's a way of escape, there's a way to win, there's a way to get out of your mind and be transformed into something brand new that is way better. I want you to experience it. All right, so maybe you're here today and you're thinking like, I can understand what you're talking about. I can relate to that. I feel like I'm constantly at war with my own mind. I feel like I'm constantly battling thoughts and discouragement and feelings that I can't seem to escape or overcome or get away from. Maybe even right now you feel like one of those in your life is so overwhelming that it's just beating you down day after day. And you know already that when you wake up tomorrow, it's still going to be there haunting you, warring with you, fighting with you in your mind. I want to read you one verse. So like I said, if you're going to follow along with us, we're going to be in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 the entire rest of the time this morning. So if you want to flip there in your Bible, you can. These verses will be on the screen. But I want to share one verse with you that I know for sure is for you if you feel like that. So if you feel like you're battling these same things inside over and over again, overwhelmed in your mind with anxiety, depression, discouragement, guilt, shame, or worry, this verse is for you. So if you don't hear anything else today, I want you to hear this verse from God's mouth to yours, from his word to your heart. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 17. Let me read it to you. You ready? But you will not even need to fight. You don't even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you. Let me read that one again in case you missed it, okay? In case you missed it or in case you can't see the screen. You ready? You will not even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you. Here's the second half of the verse. You ready? Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Man, you should read that verse every day if you feel discouraged. If you feel beaten down by the same battles in your mind. This story is like one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible. I'm excited to share it with you today. We won't have time to look at the entire thing, but if you want, if you're somebody who feels like, I'm overwhelmed. I'm fighting this battle day after day. I can't seem to beat it. I can't seem to get it out of my mind. Then I would challenge you this week, read this whole story each day. Just take you like five or ten minutes each day. Read through this story. It's such a good story to just let the truth of God wash over your heart and convince you of what you need to hear. If you're going to read the whole thing, it's 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verses 1 to 30. We're only going to look at about two-thirds of it today. But 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verses 1 to 30. And that verse, verse 17, kind of to me is the key verse of the whole passage where God is saying like, hey, you don't even have to fight. You don't even have to do the fighting. Just go out and take your position and stand still and watch as the Lord gives you the victory. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. He is with you. 2 Chronicles 20, 17. Some of you need to write that verse down somewhere. Put it on your mirror. Put it into your phone. Tape it to your dashboard. Read it every day. 
because you keep losing this battle over and over. And I, I believe today God's going to give us some truth from his word to help us beat that battle. Maybe you're worried about a coworker you got to see tomorrow. You're worried about a test you got to take this week. You're worried about a problem that just won't seem to go away in your life. You're scared, afraid, anxious, concerned about somebody who just keeps mistreating you over and over again, about some failure in your life you can't overcome. Stop fighting. Take your position. Stand still. Watch as the Lord gives you victory. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged, for he is with you. 2 Chronicles 2017. Just what you needed today. So what I want to do to you, with you today is I want to talk to you about this, what I titled, um, The Battle That's Bigger Than You. The Battle That's Bigger Than You. And so jot that down if you're a note taker. That's what we're going to talk about today. If you're facing the battle that's bigger than you, God's going to give us an example of that from his word. Somebody that was facing a battle bigger than they were. And he's going to give us the answers on how to win that battle. How to get out of your mind, get out of your own thoughts, get out of your own mind and win the victory over this battle that's bigger than you. So what I want to do is I want to back up to the beginning of the story and I really just want to read through it with you. I want to let the, the beauty of this narrative kind of wash over your soul today. We'll talk about it as we go, but I just want to read through it with you. So if you'll back up with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1, let me start at the beginning of this story. It says, after this, after what? After this, the chapter before, King Jehoshaphat, who's the main character in the story, King Jehoshaphat, in the chapter before, is that funny? That's a funny name, right, Jehoshaphat? They probably called him like Jephat for short. Jephat, King Jephat. But after this, so what was after this? The chapter before, Jehoshaphat, he's king, and he does all these great things for God. Gets rid of all these idols people have been worshiping, starts praying and worshiping the real true God, challenges all the people in Judah to start worshiping God again, start doing the right thing, start following God with all their heart. All these great things. And then after all that, something's going to go bad. And isn't that how it often works? That the hardest challenges of life, the biggest fights we face, the most difficult battles that come our way seem to come right after like great days, great victories. Like you have a, the best day ever, only the next day to find yourself being beaten down again. Why is that? That's what's happening to Jehoshaphat. Now listen, verse one. After this, the armies of Mo, the Moabites, Ammonites, and some of the Meonites declared war on Jehoshaphat. Three other countries come together and decide they're going to go to war against Judah and Jehoshaphat, right? Verse 2, messengers came and told Jehoshaphat a vast army. That word vast means it was like so big they couldn't even count it. That's like a, a Hebrew word, like so large it was beyond number, which it had to be pretty big because the army of Judah at that time was about a, a million people. So here comes this army, so much bigger than their army, they couldn't hardly count it. These three countries come together to go to war against Judah, and the army is so vast, they can't even count how many there are. And these messengers come to Jehoshaphat, and they say, a vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. They are already at En Gedi. Now here's what you need to know. En Gedi is about 25 miles from Jerusalem. In other words, that's about a one-day march for an army. So these messengers come to Jehoshaphat and they're like, an army's coming to kill you. 
It's so large, we can't even count how many soldiers there are, and they're only a day away. And Jehoshaphat is left with no time to come up with a strategy, no time to put any kind of military plan in action. There isn't going to be enough time to send word to neighboring countries and ask for support or reinforcements from other places. He's literally on his own, overwhelmed, terrified at the thought that they're about to be overrun. But that's the way that these battles hit you. If you're somebody and you're here and you struggle with depression or anxiety or fear or worry, if you struggle with this, those things, you know by now they don't give you advanced warning. Like worry doesn't show up at 8 a.m. and be like, hey, today I just want you to know around noon I'm going to wreck your day. It doesn't work like that. It hits you like that. The phone call, the text that just shatters your emotions for that day. They don't give you a lot of advance notice or warning. They just come at you all at once and you instantly feel overwhelmed. That's Jehoshaphat in this story. So what's he do? What should we do if that's us? What's he do? Let me show you verse 3. Here's what he does. Jehoshaphat was scared. I'm with him. I'd be scared too. In fact, I would say that his adversity is probably worse than most of the adversity we face, right? Hordes of invading armies about to pounce on you and kill you. He's terrified. So what's he do in his terror? He's terrified by this news and begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. Fasting. Stop eating and start praying. Join me. Start begging God for some guidance and help. And I wonder, I wonder, is that what you do? When you feel worry, when you feel anxiety, when you feel depression, when you feel guilt or shame, what is your first reaction? Yeah, you're going to be terrified. You're going to be worried. You're going to be scared. I get it. Jehoshaphat felt all that too. But then what? Are you going to beg God for guidance? You're going to try to come up with some strategy on your own. There isn't time for that. You're going to beg God for guidance? You're going to go looking for help somewhere else. That's not the kind of help you need. Are you going to do what he did? I don't know. I don't know how often I do that. I know I hear a lot of people, and maybe you've heard people say things like, well, I've done everything I can think of. All we can do now is pray. You ever heard somebody say that? All we can do. I've tried everything there is to try. All we can do now is pray and hope for the best. Really? Is that where we're at? Where we try everything there is to try, and then we pray? Is that what Jehoshaphat did? Is that the model God's laying out for us in the Bible? Or is it the very first thing I did was I begged God for guidance? Then I asked some other people to beg God for guidance with me. Here's the thing. You've got to make this decision. This is a hard decision to make. But you've got to make this decision about when it's time to fight and when it's time to get help. That's a hard decision to make. But it's an important decision to learn how to make. In fact, if you want to have a successful marriage, if you're here and you're married or you want to be married someday, here's a good tip for marriage, right? You've got to choose your battles wisely, okay? 
you got to know when to fight and when to just get some help. you, you got to know when to say, I'm going to double down and fight about this, or when to say, I'm just going to let that one go. I'm just going to let that one go. No matter how long I'm married to Stephanie, we will never have the same view on when the doors should be locked. All right? We won't even have the same view on when the doors should get closed. We disagree on a lot of stuff. That's a good example. We disagree about that one a lot. All right? So, but I've got to like learn. I just got to let that one go and shut the door. Don't worry if she left it open. It's okay. Not wrong, just different. But you got to choose your battles wisely. And the reason this is hard for me, and maybe this is why it's hard for you. Here, here I kind of figured it out, a way to word it for me this week. You ready? The reason that's hard for me, and maybe it's why it's hard for you, is because I want grace for me, but I expect perfection from everybody else. And Kenny will tell you that. I talk about that all the time with church stuff. I'm willing to give myself grace and cut myself some slack, but I'm ready to go to battle over somebody else who does it differently than me. I want to fight when they don't do it like I want to do it. But we've got to learn if we're going to win the battle in our mind. We've got to learn what stuff to walk away from. What stuff is something I need to fight about and what stuff is something I need to go to God and beg him for guidance about. It's like you got to just start saying to yourself, not this one, not this one. And, and I get to hear a lot of like, there's a lot of negative stuff said about me in our church around the county. I don't know if you're aware of that or not, but it's all good. It doesn't really bother me that much. I'm pretty isolated from a lot of that. But every once in a while I hear that. Kenny will tell me a lot. He's really the source of a lot of bad information in my life. But I'm not really on social media, so I don't hear a lot of that stuff. And he knows everybody. And one of the things he said to me one time is like, I, I think I said to him something like, it really doesn't bother me if they said that. Why does it bother you? And he said, well, it bothers me more because I know them. Remember saying that? I don't know if you remember saying that or not, Billy. It's like, I know them. It's like, they shouldn't say stuff like that or whatever. <laughs> I was like, well, it doesn't really bother me. But it's like, you've got to get to this point where we're just like, ah, not that one. It's not worth the fight. You know, it's like if somebody says something bad about me or something bad about you or bad about our church or bad about what you do for a living or bad about your kids or there comes this point where like your life will be better off if you just kind of look at them and just say like, eh, not this one, not this one. You know what happens if you get into a fight with a fool and you convince them that you're, you're right? You've just gained a fool as a friend. That's it. Like, what good is that? So sometimes it's just like, eh, not this one. It, it made me think this week of the movie 42. I don't know if any of you have seen the movie 42 that came out a few years ago about Jackie Robinson, the first black player in professional baseball. And in the movie, I don't know if this is exactly how it took place in real life, but in the movie, he's in Branch Rickey's office, who's one of the owners of the Dodgers at that time. And Branch Rickey has this conversation with Jackie Robinson. And he says, now, if I bring you up and put you in the big league team, what are you going to do when people start talking trash about you? They start calling you names and throwing stuff at you and cheating and hurting you and abusing you. What are you going to do? You're going to be able to hold your peace? And I don't know if this is how it happened or not, but in the movie, Jackie Robinson jumps up and he's like, Branch, it sounds like you're looking for a player who doesn't have the guts to fight. 
And Branch Rickey said back to him, no, I'm looking for a player that has the guts not to fight. Sometimes it takes more courage, it takes more guts to know when not to fight than it does to know when to fight. And some people in your life and some things that come up, some battles that you face are battles you just need to say like, not this one, not this one. I'm just going to go to God for some guidance. I'm not going to get into it with this person. I'm not going to battle with them. And how do I choose? I'm going to give you a good tip, right? If somebody comes to you and they say this sentence, what do you think about blank? What do you think about blank? Okay, now you can fill the blank in with anything. What do you think about that church down the road? What do you think about that pastor? What do you think about blank? Fill in the blank. I get that question a lot. What do you think about this church or that church? Or what do you think about this preacher? Sometimes they're preachers that are here in the county. Sometimes they're preachers that are around the country. What do you think about this author? What do you think about this band? What do you think about? If whatever goes in that blank isn't a Bible question, okay? I'm going to give you the answer to it. You ready? Just two words. It'll change your life. Ready? What do you think about blank? I don't. That's the words you use right there. You right? I don't. I don't think about them. I got enough drama right here at 123 Main Street in my heart. I don't need anybody else's drama. I, my heart produces enough anxiety and drama on its own. I, I get asked that a lot. Like, what do you think about John MacArthur? What do you think about Joel Osteen? I don't. I got enough of my own problems and drama. I'm not worried at all about what's happening in Houston or out in California. I'm worried about what's going on right here in old MC inside my own heart because it produces enough struggle of its own. What do you think about so-and-so, about this? What do you think about Trump and Biden? I don't think about them. I'm worried about my mission. Here's my mission. You ready? I want to love Jesus with all my heart. I want to build his church with all I got. And I want to love my family, even if it costs me my life. That's it. What do you think about everybody else and everything? I don't think about it. What do you think about the way Opie loves his wife? I don't think about the way Opie loves his wife. Opie should be thinking about the way he loves his wife. You with me? I got enough of my own drama. I'm not going to add drama to it, but here's the problem in your mind. You ready? Sometimes the fight just finds you. You ever notice that? I mean, sometimes we're out there picking the wrong fight, but sometimes the fight just picks you, and you can't avoid it. You can't seem to get away from it. It seems so massive, so overwhelming that you're terrified, just like Jehoshaphat was terrified. But it didn't paralyze him, did it? didn't rattle him. He was shocked, but he wasn't shook. There was three armies coming against him, just like we're facing. The Bible says you're facing three armies every day. You're facing the army of the world, you're facing the army of the flesh, and you're facing the army of the devil. And every day, all three of those armies are in Angeti, one day's walk away from you, wanting to kill you. And you think, if I could just fight harder, be stronger. But that isn't the point of the Christian life. The point of the Christian life isn't for me to get more and more dependent. The point of the Christian life is for me to get more. The point of the Christian life isn't to get more and more independent. The point of the Christian life is for me to get more and more dependent. For me to trust Jesus with more and rely on myself for less. Not to get stronger. Not to fight harder. So I pray like Jehoshaphat prayed. Let me read it to you. Verse 4. 
So people from all over the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord. And this is what he prayed. You ready? Listen to his prayer. He prayed, O Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are the ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. What's he saying? God, you're the God in heaven. You're the God who's so powerful. Nobody can stand against you. Is he trying to remind God of who he is? Of course not. You think God doesn't know he's in heaven? You think God doesn't know he's the most powerful? You think God doesn't know that other nations can't stand against him? He's not praying these things to remind God of who he is. He's praying these things to remind himself of who God is. you got to pray these words every day because you need to be reminded of who God is. That he is the true God in heaven. He is more powerful than any battle you're facing. And nobody and nothing can stand against him. You need reminded of that. He doesn't need reminded of that. We do. So I pray this prayer that I would remember who God is and what he is, how powerful he is in my life. Look, he goes on, says this in verse 7. Oh, our God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people Israel arrived? Did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Your people settled here and built this temple to honor your name. They said, whenever we are faced with any calamity such as war, plague, or famine, we can come to stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. We can cry out to you to save us, and you will hear us and rescue us. And now it's going to sound like he blames God. Listen to what he says next. You ready? And now we see what the armies of of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir are doing. You would not let our ancestors invade those nations when Israel left Egypt. So they went around them and did not destroy them. Now see how they reward us? For they have come to throw us out of your land, which you gave us as an inheritance. You hear what he's saying? He's like, this is your fault. Is that what he's saying? He's like, God, this, this is your fault. You, when, you gave us this, when you gave this land to our ancestors, you told them not to defeat these nations. So they marched around them to come in here. Now look what happened. The people you wouldn't let us defeat back then, now look what they're, they're going to drive us out of this land you said we got to have. You promised that you're gonna, they're going to drive us out of here. This is on you. Okay. I'm not saying it is or isn't. I guess he's right. Technically, he's right, isn't he? Because God was the one that told him not to destroy those countries. God was the one that told him to march around them. God was the one that let those nations rise up and have militaries big enough that they thought they could threaten Judah. So I guess it is kind of on God. But here's what you need to know. It's okay if the fight's not your fault. Sometimes you have to fight a fight that's not your fault. Sometimes you're in a battle that you didn't start. That happens to all of us. Now I can sit back and be like, this is not fair. Right? And I could say to God, God, this is on you. But I want you to see what Jehoshaphat does. He says, God, this is on you. But he doesn't say that 
so that God will feel bad about it. He doesn't say that to say, like, God, this is on you, and I'm just going to sit here and throw a fit because of it. He doesn't say, God, this is on you, so I'm going to leave my nation that you put me in charge of, and I'm going to run the other way. No, he says, God, this is on you, but because it's on you, I'm counting on you to win it. I'm counting on you to defeat the enemy. Let me read it to you. Verse 12. Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do. Ever feel like that? But we are looking to you for help. It's okay. The fight's not your fault. You didn't ask it to come into your mind. You didn't ask it to consume all your thoughts every day. But you're still in it. But what it should do is change your focus to somebody stronger that can take care of it. Stop trying to manage it yourself. Stop trying to figure it out. And look for guidance from God. Keep your eyes focused on Him. What God's talking about is not a harder fight. It's a deeper focus. What He's talking about If you're going to get into a fight with somebody stronger than you, then you better have a friend with you who's stronger than them. Right? Listen, I was always good at this at school growing up. I wasn't the toughest. I didn't get in very many fights. I could talk my way out of a lot of sticky situations. But I was always friends with tough people. Right? Like all the like bullies and tough, I was like friends with all those guys. So like I never had to worry about it because the people I'm friends with are tougher than you. That's what God is offering you, a stronger friend. I was asking Opie if he knew this before church, but anybody ever hear the rules of a gunfight? You know what the rules of a gunfight are? There's two rules in a gunfight. Michael, you ever hear these? What's the first rule in a gunfight is bring a gun. That's a good rule, right? The first rule in a gunfight is bring a gun. The second rule in a gunfight is bring friends with guns, right? If you do those two things, you're going to probably be in good shape in a gunfight. Now, nobody go out here and get arrested today in a gunfight, all right? In fact, I joined the park board in this county back in the day there, and one of the things I had to do was go to the courthouse and swear an oath that I wouldn't challenge anybody in the county to a duel. That's true. That's actually on the books in McCurry County still, right? But don't go out of here and get into a duel. But that's what you want to do in a gun. That's what God is saying. When the battle is bigger than you, you better have somebody with you who's bigger than the battle, That's God. Get your focus off of what's going on, off of your own plans and strategy, and turn it all back to him. I'm looking to you for help. You better be counting on someone stronger than you if the battle's too big. Now look back at verse 11 just for a second. Now see how they reward us, for they have come to throw us out of your land, which you gave us as an inheritance. Here's what I want you to hear today. You ready? If God gave it to you, then it's his problem to deal with. You got it? If God gave it to you, then it's his to protect. So let me ask you, what blessings has God given you? Are you his son? Are you his daughter? Are you like Abraham, his friend? If he's your friend, then it's his fight. Do you understand what he's saying? Of course the battle's bigger than you. But I got your back. Unless you insist on trying to handle it yourself. 
Look back at verse 12 again. Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. We are looking to you for help. What's he saying? Stop focusing on the size of the battle and start focusing on the size of your God. God is saying if you will change your focus, he will win the fight. Look at verse 13 and 14. I love this part. This guy in the middle of the crowd rises up and does this cool thing. Verse 13. As all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, wives, and children, the Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. His name was Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jael, son of Mattaniah, a Levite who was a descendant of Asaph. Now, why do we list all those names? Why do I even read that verse? It doesn't even seem like that verse matters. Why do I list all those? Because it's like God was saying to us through that verse, I need you to know all the generations that have come before you that I had their back. If I had all their backs, if I took care of all of them, won't I take care of you now? No, I will take care of you now. If I didn't fail them, I'm not going to fail you. If I fought for them, I'm going to fight for you. What makes you think if I've been faithful for thousands and thousands of years that all of a sudden now I'll turn my back on one of my friends, one of my children, one of my followers? What makes you think you're on your own now? I've got this. I'm with you. I won't fail you. If you'll just keep your focus on me, I'll win the fight for you. Maybe you're like me too, and I get angry when I get afraid. I don't know if you're like this. You ever feel fear or you feel worry? I get angry. And I start to wear myself out because I start to fight when I should just be focusing. And that's why you can't overcome strongholds with willpower. If you're ever talking with somebody about overcoming an addiction or a stronghold in their life, alcoholism, drug abuse, pornography, uh, unhealthy eating habits, explosive tempers, sluggish laziness, whatever it is you're trying to break free from, you can't talk to that person about willpower. Strongholds aren't defeated by willpower. They're defeated by worship. The problem with your stronghold is not willpower. The problem is worship. And you need to address worship in your life. Where is my focus? What am I giving all of my attention and my allegiance to? Don't you know there's something better out there than drugs or anger? There's something better out there than food or alcohol. There's something that will satisfy you on a deeper level. There's something that you should be worshiping instead of your addiction. That's where you need to fight the battle, not at willpower. Willpower will always fail you, but worship of the one true God will always free you. Look at verse 15. He said, this is what the prophet said from God, right? Here's God's message, his response to their prayer. He said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged by this mighty army. For the battle is not yours, it is the Lord's. The battle is not yours, it is the Lord's. And I know almost everybody in this room talks like that. We all say that. Oh, it's the Lord's fight. It's the Lord's battle. 
He's in charge. It's his battle. But then we go and we stress and we worry like it's our battle. We've wasted all of our energy worrying when we could have been worshiping. So what I want to do at the very end of this passage is just want to give you from God's lips to our hearts today, I want to give you three pieces of overcoming this battle, winning this battle, three tips that God gives Jehoshaphat and Judah and us today, three pieces of advice. If you want to win the battle in your mind, if you want to get out of your mind and defeat the enemies, beat the battle that's bigger than you, here's three good tips. Here's where to start. You ready? Here's the first one God's saying. If it's too big, it doesn't belong to you. If it's too big, it doesn't belong to you. So right now, if you're sitting there and you're feeling like, what I'm facing, I can't overcome, you're in the perfect spot. That means it doesn't belong to you. If the battle's too big, it's not yours to fight. Stop fighting. If it's too big, it doesn't belong to you. Here's the second one. It's in verse 16 and 17. Let me read it to you. God says, tomorrow... March out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jeruel. Now here's the verse we read at the beginning. But you will not even need to fight. Take your positions. Then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. Take your positions. Then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He's with you. Don't be afraid or discouraged. Go out tomorrow. He's got your back. Take your position, stand still, and watch the Lord's victory. Here's piece of advice number two. You ready? It's not about your power. It's about your position. It's not about your power. It's about your position. Get in position, not so you can fight, but so you can see God give you victory. And what I see so often is people have a difficult circumstance come into their life or a battle they're fighting in their head and they run and hide. You know where you get to see God's victory? Right here. Right in the middle of your life group. Right across the dinner table with another believer. But people get hooked on a sin. They get into a struggle. They start to battle a feeling or a thought or an emotion in their head. And slowly they disappear. They hide. They're not in position to see any victory. I want to see the victories. I want to be here when people get baptized. I want to sit with you when you say, yeah, I want to follow Jesus with my whole heart. I want to see the smile on somebody's face in my neighborhood when I serve them. I want to see the victories. I don't want to hide in my house and be afraid. I want to take courage, and I want to watch God give me victory. I'm not getting in position so I can fight. I'm getting in position so I can see. See, if they would have fought, they would have lost. In fact, if you study the whole life of Jehoshaphat, you'll find out that just two chapters earlier, he went out to battle with King Ahab from Israel, didn't get God's okay on it, and got their butts kicked. He almost died. And he learned his lesson, because two chapters later here, he's like, <laughs> Problem on the horizon? God, give me some guidance. I don't want to fight. I want to see you fight. And I wonder how many times do we have to get our butts kicked before we'll stop trying to tough our way through anxiety and fight our way through depression and discouragement 
And instead, we'll start to focus on God and his greatness. That we'll stop believing it's about our power and start believing it's about his position. About our position to watch him give us victory. Look at the verse 18. Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. Doesn't sound like very good battle preparation, but that's what they did. Then the Levites from the clans of Kohath and Korah stood to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud shout. Okay, verse 20. Early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, this is not five-star general stuff, but listen to what he said. You ready? Listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you'll be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets, and you will succeed. Did you hear the things they did in there? They got down on the ground. They prayed. They worshiped the Lord. They sang with loud shouts, and they believed inside that God had this in his hand. That's it. That was the strategy. They prayed and asked God for guidance. They worshiped him as a group. They sang out loud with loud shouts, and they believed inside that God had them, no matter what. And here's the third piece of advice he's saying. You ready? Don't waste your worship. And so many of us are wasting our worship on stuff that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you win the argument on Facebook. It doesn't matter if you're, you win the argument and your wife gives you your way. It doesn't matter if everything happens just the way you want it to happen. It doesn't matter if you spend all of your effort and all of your energy trying to self-soothe, trying to medicate your own pain. None of that will matter. You are wasting your worship. Don't waste your worship. And then the most like mind-boggling piece of the whole story to me in verse 21. After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army. And I imagine at this point, like all the people like Moab, the Moabites and the Meonites and all those guys, Ammonites that came against them. I imagine they're standing there being like, he's got vocalists out front. Like I don't even see a weapon. And all the singers are probably like going along singing and they're probably thinking like, something doesn't seem right about this. Like I got soldiers behind me and I got soldiers in front of me. And the soldiers in the back are like, uh, Jehoshaphat, you might want to put some catapults at the front some guys with spears or something, but he puts the singers out front to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. And this is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love endures forever. Listen, this isn't about music. This is about focus. Do you understand? We expel so much energy on stuff that means nothing, but can't move our lips for two minutes to give thanks to the Lord because his faithful love endures forever. 
We expend so much energy fighting with people online, but can't, don't have any ounce of strength left to love the people who live next door to us. We expend so much energy trying to hide our sin and mask our secrets and go out and live our double life, and we've got nothing left to give to God. This isn't about singing. This is about worship. This isn't about singing. This is about focus. Do you guys understand what they're talking about? You focus on what's right about God instead of what's wrong about your life. And then look what God does at the end in verse 22. At that very moment, at, the, at what very moment? At the moment that they started singing out loud, thank you, God, for always having my back and loving me forever. At that very moment, when they started singing out those words, right after they had finished begging God for guidance, right after they had finished falling on their face and worshiping him, right after they had finished believing inside that he had their back no matter what, right at that moment, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting amongst themselves. That's amazing. God had the enemy start fighting the enemy. All they had to do was stand and watch and then reap the blessings. He took everything the enemy had meant to do to them and he turned it around on them. Every evil intention the enemy had for them, God caused them to unleash on themselves. The enemy started fighting the enemy. And you can see the same thing in your life. The enemy of depression can start fighting itself and you can be free. The enemy of anxiety can start fighting itself and you can be free. The enemy of pornography can start fighting itself and you can be free. You can be free. You can win the fight if you just stay focused on the one who's strong enough to win it. All it took was focus and faith. And not one time did it require fighting or fatigue. Are you in the same situation today? It could start with the exact same formula. Praying for God's guidance. Worshiping, singing loudly to Him. Knowing that He's got you no matter what. Here they are again in case you missed them. If it's too big, it's not your battle. It's not about your power. It's about your position. Don't waste your worship. Guys, today, don't waste your worship. Get into position. Get into position so you can see God give you victory over the enemy in your life today. Can I pray with you? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for our church. Thank you for bringing the people here today who are here today. God, would you give us victory over the world, over the flesh, and over the devil today? Would you give us victory over the battles that are too big for us? Would you fight for us? God, give everybody in this room today the courage to go out of here and not try to fight the battles that are too big, but instead to take a position of worship with their life and to trust that you've got them no matter what, to give you thanks for your goodness, to not waste their worship on anything else but to give it all to you because of all you're offering them.
Jesus' name I pray.